It's a real privilege to be able to preach today, and uh, Pastor Malcolm is doing some real spiritual fishing down in uh, Florida, and uh, <laughs> listen, the Bible t- teaches us to be fishers, and, uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm very, very honored. Uh, Katie and I sure love Temple, and you see us here when we're not ministering somewhere else. We're here. We're, we're looking forward to uh, just uh, serving with you guys, and We've loved uh, this, uh, this past year being with you, and just uh, I love to hear Pastor Malcolm preach. I've never heard him preach a bad sermon. Amen. I really haven't. And uh, I, I'm telling you, probably one of the most prepared preachers in, in, in North Alabama that walks to the pulpit is our pastor, Pastor Malcolm. And I hope that you always pray for him. Uh, come prepared to hear, and he'll always have something for us. Now, I want you to know I have something for us today, too, as well, okay? And uh, I've had the privilege of being a pastor since I was 21 years old. That, I've been pastoring about 10 years now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I used to be a Church of God preacher. I really was. I was an ordained Church of God preacher, but... Uh, I couldn't do what I just did when I was Church of God because I would have lost my salvation. <laughs> but, but as a Baptist, I can do that, and I really, I, I really appreciate that. And, uh, somebody asked me one time, said, why do you still use a King James Bible? And I said, so I can cuss every now and then. And uh, <laughs> you'll get that. You know, some of you folks that don't get some of this, you scare me. You really do. I mean, you, you, you scare me. You, you, are we okay? Are we okay? But thank you for being here. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I'm going to let you stand for a moment because you're going to have to sit down for about 40 minutes. So let me let you stand for just one. If you want to stand, you can sit back down. But uh, I, I just want to tell you, I'm going to... I've been a pastor ever since God called me to preach. He showed me how to be a pastor, and that that hasn't changed and never will change in my life. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to do for you what I've done all these years in the role of a pastor. And I'm going to help deal with probably the biggest plague in the Christian life today. And here's what it is, doubting your salvation. Doubting that you're saved. Now, I want you to understand something before I start. The devil's greatest tool against me and you today is to doubt our salvation. Amen? If he can get us to doubt our salvation, we will never be a victorious, joyous Christian. Okay? If you're always wondering if I've got it or I don't have it, uh, am I going to go to heaven today? And, and or, well, no, not tomorrow. I, I, you know, I messed up. I, won't, I don't guess I'll make it to heaven. And, and, and you live in that kind of life. The devil just absolutely will destroy everything about you, okay? I want you to be seated because I'm going to give you an introduction before the sermon, okay? <clears throat> I, want to, I want to help you today to know how to never again doubt your salvation. Okay, this is not in your notes, so you're going to have to write it down a little bit, but we will put the scriptures up so we can all read them, okay? But how to never again doubt your salvation. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13. This is, the, and let me, let me tell you why I'm doing this. The sermon I'm about to preach would cause those of us that fight this thing of doubt to even doubt more, okay? 
And so my goal is not to make you doubt more. My, my goal is to get you where you never again doubt whether or not you're saved, okay? I don't want you doubting your salvation. Now listen to what 1 John says in 5.13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, watch it there, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life, okay? Now somebody says, well, I think I'm going to heaven. No, you can know, K-N-O-W. You got that with me? Now, you say, then what does, what, how does the devil work, and, and how do we overcome this? And, you know, I, I can know that I'm saved. Now, why can I know that I'm saved? Titus chapter 1, verse number 2. Look at what he says. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, did you see that? God that cannot lie promised before the world began. What did God promise us? Eternal what? And God can't what? Now listen to what he says in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 25. Listen to what he said. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, what? Eternal life. Now did God promise us eternal life? Can God lie? He will not lie. Now let me tell you, the difference between God and the devil right here is that the devil is the father of lies. And God cannot lie. Are you with me? Now, listen to what the Bible said in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. If our hearts condemn us, let's stop right there. If our hearts condemn us. Now, if you look at that word condemn in, in, the, in the Greek language, it literally means when, when, when he makes us doubt, makes us question. When our heart makes us doubt. Now let's find out some things about the heart and then we'll come back to this verse. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17 and verse number 9, here's what he says about the heart. He said, it's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? It's what? Deceitful. Desperately wicked. Why would you, would you ever believe a deceitful person? Would you ever believe just a guy that's just so stinking wicked, you, you hated to be in his presence? Would you believe him? Would you base your whole life on him? Would you get up every day thinking about how I'm going to live this day based on him? Talk to me. Yet that's what our heart is. Man, don't trust your heart. You say, well, I'll tell you what, the Bible talks a lot about the heart. Let me tell you what the Bible says about the heart. The Bible said, guard it. Guard it. Don't put stuff in it. Guard it. But it didn't say trust it. Why? Because it's wicked. It's wicked. Now let me tell you the role of the devil. In Revelation 12, verse number 10, the Bible says, and here's what the devil does all the time. Revelation 12 and verse number 10, the Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren. Are you with me? He's, you know what the devil does every day? He accuses us. Well, Doug, you're not a Christian. If you're a Christian, you wouldn't even have that thought. He, he sees nothing but a liar, and all he does is accuse us, right? And what does he use? He uses an old wicked heart that I have and you have. This thing's messed up, right? I need to guard it. And he's constantly telling us lies. He is accusing the brethren. So what do we do? Well, let's go back to 1 John 3, verse number 20. Here we go. I'm giving it to you fast, but you're going to get it. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 20. Let's go back to it. 
He said, if our heart condemn us. Now, we're going to believe our hearts. Talk to me now. Are you going to believe your heart? Well, I'm going to tell you, Brother Doug, I just don't feel like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm 68 years old, and I've never felt like getting up and going to work. But I did. Well, I tell you how I feel. See, that's your heart. That's that old wicked, desperate heart. You don't go by that. So, for if our heart condemn us, and it will. But what, look at this. Who is greater than our heart? God's greater than my heart. He's greater than yours. And look at what God says. And he, what, knoweth all things. Are you with me? And he knoweth all things. So what am I going to do today? I'm sitting here, Temple Baptist Church, and I come week after week. I pay my tithe. I love my pastor. I I mean, I'm in a small group. I'm trying to serve God. I read my Bible. I pray. But I just constantly have this nagging doubt of whether or not I'm saved. Well, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell the devil to go back to hell where he belongs. And I'm going to believe God and I'm going to quit believing the devil. And God is the only one I can trust. So look at Romans 10, 13. The Bible said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever is you, it's me, it's anyone. Amen? Amen. Calling on the name of the Lord is asking the Lord Jesus Christ to come into our heart and forgive us of all of our sins. And if we'll do that, now watch the wording. The Bible said we what? Shall. Not might. Not maybe. We what? Be what? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to settle this issue today, and then I'm going to preach the sermon I'm supposed to preach. Are you with me? Now, I, listen, listen. If, if I could go around and take the pulse of everybody and say, whoa, 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 here's one that devil's constantly trying to make them doubt their salvation. Whoop, here's another one. That, you're, you're all over this place. You're, at Fairview, you're there. If you're watching on streaming, we're there. The, the devil does it, right? He does it. But we're going to defeat the devil today. And here's what we're going to do. If you're here today, you're watching from Fairview, and the devil's constantly trying to make you doubt your salvation, we're going to fix it today. On the 20th day, 28th day of February 2021, we're going to fix it. We're going to get a stake out. Get your stake out. Come on, you got to think with me. You got a stake? Got a hammer? We're going to drive the stake in the ground. And if you've been doubting it, we're going to fix it right now. So bow your head. Pray this prayer right now with me. If, you, if the devil works on you like this, I want you to pray this prayer right now with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm the whosoever. And I ask you right now in faith. To forgive me of all of my sins. And I ask you right now in faith, Lord Jesus, to be my Savior and to be my God. And you promise me that I shall be saved. So today, February the 28th, 2021, Lord Jesus, by faith, I'm going to believe you and not the devil. I'm going to believe you and not my heart. I know that I know 
as you said I could, I know I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Drive the stake. Drive it. Drive it. Now, some of you right here, you're going to drive it. Drive that sucker down. And when the devil comes to you tomorrow and says, oh, you didn't get saved, go right back over and show it to him. Just take him right back over and point and say, let me tell you something. 2 I settled the issue. It's no longer an issue. Oh, I might have the thought, but it is no longer an issue. You got it? If you got it, say, I got it. it. All right. Now, for those of you that are tithers, you paid for that part. (laughs) Those of you that give, (laughs) I'm terrible. I don't know. I I get in these moods and it's terrible. I get dangerous, you know. (laughs) I'm kidding. I want to now show you. I'm going to take you in the Bible, and I'm watching my time, and I'm going to show you from the Word of God three evidences that I'm saved. I'm going to show you three things that just lets me know that without a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved. Are you ready for them? How many of you say, Preacher, I need this. I need this. Let me just, just, just for the fun of it. How many of you have ever had the old devil try to make you doubt your salvation? Would you just raise your hand? Look all over this house. Look all over this house. Now, some of us have told him to go right back where he belongs. But some of you have just let him camp out right on your doorstep. And he keeps you defeated. You go to church and you cry. And you. And I just, I think I am. I hope I am. Just from this day on. Now, when did you settle it? What day? 2, 28, 21. Now, you know what? We live in a society that dates are important. Isn't that right? You say, well, I don't think that that dates are that important. I tell you what, you married guys, just forget when you got married. (laughs) One of the reasons reasons I bought one of those old great big recliners is because of stuff like that. (laughs) You'll get it in a minute. (laughs) are we okay dates are important and if you've been battling this you let today's date Fairview if you're there and you're battling this let today's date be your date 2-28-21 settled devil you're a liar we're going there no more amen now with that in mind I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 2 we're going to study the life of Joab, okay? When you get to 1 Kings chapter 2, David is soon to die. Solomon will take over the kingdom. It seems strange, though, that David would give final instructions to his son Solomon to do what we're about to read. But I want you to just read them with me, okay? Chapter 2, 1 Kings, here we go. He says, and we're reading in verse number 5. Moreover... Thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zeruah, that's important, we're going to look at that in a moment, did to me and what he did to the two captains of the host of Israel, unto Abner, the son of Ner, and to Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he slew and shed blood of war in peace, and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins, and in his shoes that were on his feet. 
Do therefore, here it is, watch this now. Do therefore according to thy wisdom, and let not his whore head go down to the grave in peace. Can I translate that for you? Killing. Now why in the world would David have said to his son Solomon before David goes out to be with the Lord, you're going to be the new king and one of the first things on the agenda is kill Joab. Now who was Joab? Joab was his commander of his army. Joab was the closest human being outside of the priest into David's life. I mean, Joab was the guy that came in every day and, 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 and got the briefing of what was going on. Joab was there. Joab. But now he's about, David is about to die, and he says to Solomon, take Joab's life. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read stuff like that in the Bible, I get real inquisitive. How about you? I want to find out why. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Well, let me give them to you quickly. Number one, Joab had an outward loyalty. First of all, he had a family loyalty. You find 25 different times in the scriptures. 25 different times. Zeruah, his mother's name, is mentioned with Joab. Now, just to give you a little background, that just meant that Zeruah had a great, powerful influence over her son Joab. Now, I can only imagine this, but I believe my imagination is right, and I've searched the scripture. I believe here's what happened. You see, Zeruah was alive the day that the great prophet came to their house and anointed David to be king. She watched as all of the other brothers came forward and the prophet couldn't anoint them. And then he said to the dad, do you have any more sons? And he said, well, we got one boy, but I mean, he, he's out there taking care of the sheep. He's, he's, hey, he's not king material. He said, you better go get him. They bring him in and she watches David be anointed to be the king. He will take Saul's place one day. And I believe Zeruah did like every good mother. I believe every day she said to that boy, Joab, keep your eyes on Uncle David. The kingdom is with Uncle David. One day, Uncle David will be king just like Saul. Let me tell you, stay close to Uncle David. Would you not have done that, Mama? Would you not have done that? Would you not have told that story? So he had a family loyalty. And then secondly, he had a fundamental loyalty. In other words, he believed the right things about David. He believed all the right things. You see, he believed that David was Israel's savior. That's why in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel, that I believe that that Joab was not worried about whether or not Goliath would win that battle. David's not going to lose here because David has been anointed to be the king. and He won't lose this battle. He understood that he was Israel's savior. He understood that he was Israel's sovereign. That he was destined to be to the throne. That's why in 2 Samuel chapter 2 when Abner uh, uh, made all the arrangements so that the son of Saul, Ishbosheth, could be anointed king over Israel. But that never one time had to bother 
Oh, Joab, you know why? Because he knew David was Israel's sovereign. That one day David would truly be sitting on the throne. He knew that David was Israel's sufficiency. He knew that David was what Israel needed. He was the shepherd. He was the soldier. He was the king. He was the musician. He was the poet. Poet. Poet, he was the prophet, he was the diplomat, he was the builder, he was the hero. David was exactly what Israel needed. Why? Because David was God's choice. And he had a fighting loyalty. But by the way, let me say something about the fundamental, believing the right thing. You know you can believe all the right things about God and not go to heaven. You know the Bible says in James 2.19 that the devils believe and tremble. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also what? Believe and tremble. It's not me believing the right things about Jesus. It's me knowing Jesus personally as my Savior. By the way, by the way, a bunch of us settled the issue today about that, didn't we? What was the date? 2.28.21. Did we drive a stake? Are we going to go back day after day every time the devil tries to tempt us to doubt our salvation and point back to today? I'm telling you right now, some of you are going to get absolutely liberated in your walk with Christ right here today. But you see, it's not just that I believe the right things about him. I need to know him. But another thing about about old Joab, he had a fighting loyalty. In 1 Chronicles chapter number 11, When David, one of the first things he was doing as king, when he goes in to take Jerusalem, and the Jebusites make fun of him. And old David said, the man that can go up there and whip those Jebusites, he will be my commander-in-chief of my army. And guess who was the guy that took off? Joab. Why could he do it? Why? Because I believe he can hear in the back of his head his mama saying over and over again, the kingdom is with Uncle David. The kingdom is with Uncle David. So, what's the problem? Why would David, the last thing he would ask Solomon to do before he goes to be with the Lord, why would he ask that Joab die? Well, number two, Joab had an inward lack of love. You see, he he didn't love David. Now, he loved the kingdom, and he loved the fight, and he loved all the things about the kingdom, but he didn't love the king. You know, I can love church. I can love everything about church, and I can, I can love a lot of stuff. But the key is, is that I love the King of kings and the Lord of lords. My first loyalty and my first love has to be to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Doug, how do you know that he didn't love David? Well, let me give them to you. Number one, and I want to watch, if you'll let me just sort of watch my time and tell it. Can I do that for you? You've got it. You can go home and read it, and, and, but I, I, we'll follow some of it out, okay? Number one, he never had David's mind. He never had David's mind. In the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 20 through 30, we find that uh, Abner, who had been the commander-in-chief under Saul, goes to King David and says, David, I'll bring all of Israel to you. 
And you'll not only be the anointed king of Judah, which he was at that time, but you'll also be the anointed king of Israel, and all the kingdom will come to you. And David said, man, this is great. He said, boy, you're no longer a foe. You're now a friend. And he said to Abner, Abner, listen, what Abner did was the most dangerous thing he had done for his life. But he comes and he says, David, we're going to have revival in the kingdom. The kingdom will no longer be split, but it'll be together. And I'll make it happen for you. And David said, thank you. Go in peace. And old Joab comes in. He says, what was Abner doing here? And somebody said, oh, he's meeting with the king. He said, well, go tell Abner I, I need to meet with him. They run Abner down and bring him back to Hebron. And Joab acts like he's going to talk to him something in private. And when Abner comes in, Joab takes his life. Takes his life. Do you realize the kingdom was about to be brought together? Do you realize the greatest revival ever in the history of Israel was about to take place? And the man that could have been used of God to make it happen was just killed by the man named Joab? That's why David, David said he never, he never had my mind. He never wanted what I want. I want you to listen very, very closely for a moment. When I got saved and you got saved, when I settled the issue, just like you settled it, some of you today, something supernatural happened to me. I didn't work it up. I didn't make it happen. It just happened. You know what it was? I got the mind of Christ. It just supernaturally happened. I I mean, all of a sudden, I started thinking different. All of a sudden, desires changed. I mean, it was crazy. I I didn't do it. I mean, I, I couldn't write a book on six easy steps to get the mind of Christ. I mean, it just happened supernaturally. On my way to my brother's house the night I got saved, I was driving down that old country road. Back then, there was gravel. I was driving down that country road, and every time I hit a bump, I cussed the road commissioner. I said, that blankety blank, 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 we pay all that money, and we ought to be fixed. Now, you say, why in the world would you cuss the road commissioner? I'd been hearing my daddy cussing. Somebody ought to listen to that real good, okay? <clears throat> And all the way down, I'd hit those bumps, and I'd just cuss old Denver Bowers. Old Denver Bowers, he's making that money. You ought to fix these blankety-blank roads. And, and I go in that night, never knowing what G, who Jesus was. And that night, I hear the story of Jesus for the first time. I kneel on my, in front of my brother's sofa, and I ask Jesus to come into my heart and my life. And Jesus saved me. And at the end of that night, I start back down that same old dirt road. And you know what? Somebody filled in every one of those bumps. <laughs> Crazy. There was no more bumps in the road. And you know what? I had no more desire to cuss Denver Bowers. You say, what happened? I don't know. But it was supernatural. It was supernatural. I didn't have to work it up. I didn't have to try to say, well, boy, I'm going to think, 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 think. But don't cuss Denver Bowers. Don't. No, no. It happened supernaturally. And in our house, we had a big Catholic Bible. On the coffee table. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Great big Catholic Bible. You know, one of those takes two people to carry it. 
in our house, it was the family safe. Everybody's birth certificate was in there, and any important documents was in there. You know why? Because nobody opened it. (laughs) Now, it had been on that coffee table all of my life that I can remember. But I had never one time even looked at the pictures that was in it. Never. And I come home that night, and it is crazy. I go in and open that old big family Bible. And I start looking at those pictures that are in it. And I had never read the Bible in my life, but I had learned how to read. So I went to the table of content. Man, I found out there were 66 books in the Bible. And I'm going to tell you what really blew me away. One book was named Job. I thought, man, my dad's been right all these years, son. you got to work. I still remember, I said, man, there's a book in the Bible called Job. They don't laugh at me. Isn't that how you spell Job? Huh? I mean, I, I, I picked that up in the third grade. <clears throat> third grade was the best four years of my life. <clears throat> You'll get it. I remember turning that old Catholic Bible and I <laughs> started looking at those pictures. And I saw them out there catching fish and all that stuff. But I turned over that one picture and I saw him hanging on a cross. And I sat there, a 17-year-old senior in high school, and wept like a baby. He did that for me. Now you say, well, what happened? I don't know. It's supernaturally. I wanted to read that book. Supernaturally, I wanted to know what was in that book. So why did David say to Joab or to Solomon to take Joab's life? Because he never loved David. And we know he didn't love David because he never had David's mind. By the way, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, it's a supernatural thing. It's supernatural. I can't explain it, but it happens. It happens. Number two. He never had David's heart. In 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5 through 15, Absalom has rebelled against his dad, David. David's men are going out now to fight against Absalom. The Bible says they're fighting in a bunch of woods, thick woods, and that the woods were killing more people than, than the war was killing people. But before they went out to battle, David said to the men, all of his men, he said, when you come to Absalom, my son, be kind to him. Treat him right. Treat him right. And the Bible said, everybody heard what David said. So the battles takes place and all of a sudden, Absalom had long hair and big, big, had it pulled up sort of like a turban and And he rides under one of those limbs and it catches his hair and the mule rides on off. And and, and all of a sudden he's hanging by by his hair and he's just hanging there dangling. 
And this young man sees it and he goes back and he tells Joab, he said, hey man, Absalom's over there hung up in a tree. And the guy said to, Joab said to this young man, said, why didn't you kill him? He said, man, why would I kill him? I heard the king, you heard the king. And when the king made the statement, he was talking to you, especially Joab. He said, that's why I didn't kill him. Joab said, well, if you'd have killed him, I'd have honored you. He said, no, 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 no. If I would have killed him, you'd have killed me. And do you know what the Bible says happened? Old Joab not only takes three knives or darts, the King James says, and runs him through in his heart, but then he turns those young men loose to just absolutely mutilate his body. And the Bible says that it comes back and David had heard that his son was dead And David said, Absalom, oh, Absalom, would God I had died for thee. You see, he never had, he never had David's heart. You know, I can pray and I can sing and I can give and I can preach. But who do I love and what do I love? Man, I need to love what he loves and. I just need to, I need to have his heart. I need to have his heart. The, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, verse number 7, For he that thinketh in his heart, so is he. And then he goes on to say, Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Joab didn't have David's heart. He didn't love what David loved. Oh, I, I was a rebellious boy, I know that, but I'm telling you right now. David loved him. David loved him. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't tell you how this happened, but when I got saved, something supernaturally happened to me. And it happened to you. That I started loving what he loved. I remember the night I got saved. I had the thought over and over in my head, you get saved, you won't ever have any fun. Now see, I thought drinking and trouble was fun. And I'd hear that thought, you, you won't ever have any fun. But thank God I went past that and I prayed and received Christ as my Savior. And all of a sudden, the things I used to love, I didn't love anymore. And the things I used to not like, I started loving them. My grandmother was a Methodist. And uh, <clears throat> Mamma would call me every now and then and ask me to take her to church. Now, here's the story behind that. Mamma lived right in front of the Methodist pastorium. The Methodist preacher lived right, I mean, you could take a rock from her front yard and throw it all the way through the front window of uh, of the pastorium. If she needed a ride to church, that preacher would give her a ride to church. And by the way, she didn't really need a ride to church because less than a half a block from her house was the church. (laughs) But my mamma would call me and, and ask me to take her to church. I'm going to tell you something. I love my mamma more than I did my mama. My mamma was more of a mama to me than my mama was. And if she wanted me to take her to church, I'd take her to church. I'd get up and still about half drunk from the night before, and I'd wash my face and clean up and, 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 and you know, gargle uh, Listerine and everything, trying to get my breath right, you know. And I'd go pick mamma up, and I'd take her to church, and, and I'd sit with mamma in church. I'd sit with her in church, and, and back in the back, all those kids cutting up, you know, I knew them because I was drinking with them the night before. But there was something about it I just... Wanted to be there with Memo. And by the way, I want you to know something. Even though I didn't know him, I feared him. 
I'm telling you, I wouldn't have messed up in church for love and money. I'd be afraid God killed me right there on the spot. But after I got saved, all of a sudden, I wanted to go to church. I just wanted to. I, I can't explain it. I just wanted to. I just wanted to love him. I just wanted to serve him. It, just, it, it was supernatural. I didn't work it up and say, boy, if I can want to do this. It just supernaturally happened. You see, Joab never had David's mind and he never had David's heart. But let me tell you something. I didn't have to earn getting his mind and I didn't have to earn to get his heart. It came with salvation. That's how I know I'm saved. That's how I know I'm saved. Let me give you number three. Watching the time, let me give you number three. He was never surrendered to the will of David. Oh, David, the Bible tells us that David wanted to build a temple for God, a house for God. And uh, the great prophet Nathan said to David, said, man, that's great, let's do it. And old Nathan went home that night and God wouldn't let him sleep. And God told Nathan that night, said, David, can't build a temple, he's a man of war. You go tell him he can't build the temple, but we're going to let his son build the temple. And if you read it and you read all of this, you can find all of that, what I'm telling you in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and also in 1 Chronicles 22. And uh, David accepted what Nathan told him. He couldn't build the temple. And, and, it got, and through the, the great prophet Nathan, uh, God told him that you won't build the temple, but your son Solomon, who will sit on the throne, will build the temple. So here David is now in 1 Kings chapter 1. David is soon to go to be with the Lord. And the next thing we know, we've got, uh, well, I'll tell you what, let's just, we're, we're close to that anyway in our text, right? So you're in chapter 1. Let's just read a little bit of this together. You want to? Look in chapter 1 of 1 Kings and verse number 5. Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalteth himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done this? And he also was very, a very goodly man. And his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and with Abathar, the priest. And they following Adonijah helped him. Now, all of a sudden now, they're, 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 getting, they're getting old Adonijah to be king. He's going to be king. Now, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Who's to be king? David is the king. He's about to die. Who's to be king after David? Solomon. It's, it, it's already settled. But Adonijah now is about to be the king. And look at what he's got. He's got one of the priests helping him. And who else does he have helping him? Joab. Joab. Hey, hey guys, let me tell you something. If you want to take over, get the guy that's the head of the military. And that's how you take over. And the great prophet goes to Bathsheba and says, Hey, we better get something done about this. Adonijah, they're they're, they're ready to anoint him now to be the king. But David said Solomon is to be the king and we'd we'd better get this handled. They go to David and David said Solomon is to be the king and immediately Solomon was anointed to be the king and David's still alive. 
But you say, why would Joab do that? Listen closely. He was never surrendered to David's will. The will of David was not important to Joab. Joab was only thinking about himself. And let me talk to you now about something supernatural. The night I got saved, I had a supernatural desire to do the will of God. I can't explain it, but I just wanted to do what he'd have me to do. Let me tell you a little bit of the story. I hadn't been saved long, and we were in church on a, it was on a Sunday night. I had one suit to my name. I don't even know why mom and dad bought me this suit, but I had one suit. And, and I had it on that night. I, I don't know, but I had it on that night. And that night they were baptizing. And I said, to, I, I said to my friend, I said, what are they doing? He said, they're baptizing. I said, oh, okay. But what is baptism? He said, Doug, he said, that's what you do after you get saved. I said, well, then I need to go get baptized. So I took that coat off and I took the tie off. And I got baptized in my suit pants. Jalen and my shirt. Now, I never wore them pants again. Anybody know why? They were high water britches after that day. <laughs> but you say, why would you do that? I just had that desire. I remember in, in, in the country church, that, and by the way, it was a country church I went to, but we ran four and five hundred in attendance in a community of about a hundred. Okay, and, and they had in the window seals. Remember that in the old churches they had in the window seals. And in the window seals they had envelopes in the window seals. And I asked, asked this young man, I hadn't been saved just a few weeks, and I, I asked him, I said, what are those envelopes for? So I thought maybe we were writing letters to God. I, I, know, I, do, I know you guys think I'm crazy, but I knew nothing. Okay, for some of you folks, let me help you a minute. That's Job, not Job. I just wanted to help you for a minute. And I said, what are those envelopes for? I thought we were writing letters to God. He said, that's for tithing. I said, what's tithing? He said, that's you take what you make, you give 10% of it back to the Lord. I said, well, give me a box of those envelopes. They gave me a box of envelopes, and I started tithing. I made money. I worked. I made money. I started giving my tithe. You say, how hard was it for you to start tithing? I just had to tell me that's something you do. This is what the Lord wants you to do. And if the Lord wants me to do it, I want to do it. Why? Because something supernatural inside of me caused me to want to do it. Are you with me? So you let me know, folks, listen. I settled, I drove my stake in the ground January 1, 1970. I got saved, and I know I got saved. And when the devil comes to me and says, you're not saved, I take him back to January 1, 1970, and tell him he's a liar. But one of the things that I've also experienced, because I'm saved, supernaturally, I have his mind. Supernaturally, I have his heart. Supernaturally, I just want to please him. I just, I just want to do his will. Amen? I just... It, I, it, it may not always be easy, but it comes easy. Are, are you with me? It may not always be easy to do, but it's something that I desire to do. Now hang on, and I'm bringing it to, to landing. This week in reading through the book of Proverbs, I was reminded of Proverbs 
And the Bible tells us in, in the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 14, and uh, verse 14, he says, The backslider in heart is filled with his own way. Are you with me? So let's, let's say that a minute. The backslider in heart is filled with his own way. Let's say it one more time. The backslider in Okay, now, let's get real honest. Every one of us in this room have been a backslider from time to time. Somebody say amen. amen. You, you say, I, I, I never have. Then you ought to go join the church of God I left. <laughs> you see, the backslider in heart. heart. Whoa, 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 whoa. See, I can backslide in my heart and never drink a beer. I can backslide in my heart and not cheat on my wife. I can backslide in my heart and not tell a lie. You say, well, wh- wh- what do you think backsliding is in your heart? Hang with me. I think backsliding in my heart and in your heart is when all of a sudden the mind of Christ, that supernatural thing, all of a sudden it starts fading. That heart starts fading. That desire to do his will starts fading. I'm getting backslidden in heart. Now, you know what? I don't have to go to church and and the preacher and the deacons knock me over the head and and somebody beat me up outside. No, I just need to know, whoa, 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 what's wrong, preacher? I'm just not wanting to be in the Bible like I used to be. Oh, I'm getting backslidden in my heart. Well, what's wrong? I, I, I'm not wanting to please the Lord like I, I, I wanted to. I'm getting backslidden in my heart. I, I'm not loving the things that I know he loves and hating the things I know he hates. What's wrong? I'm getting backslidden in my heart. Do you know what I do? Do you know what I do? I don't get saved again. I bow my head and say, Lord Jesus, I need to, I need to get my heart back in order I need to start loving what you love I need, I need your heart again I need your mind again I need, I need the desire to do your will Lord restore that to me and you know what he does all of a sudden whoo bang and, and you know what it, it's not that that's why the Bible said the way of the transgressor is hard it didn't say the way of the Christian is hard The way of the transgressors. Listen, the way I used to live before Jesus was much harder than how I live for Jesus today. My life before Christ was much harder than my life in Christ. So what do you do? You know, the Bible says in the book of James, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Do you know what I do when I get backslidden in heart? I just say to the devil, devil, you're not going to win on this thing. And I say, Lord Jesus, I need to draw close to you again. Let that supernatural power that belongs to me because of you, Lord, give me your mind, give me your heart, give me the desire to please you. And you know what he does? He'll bring it right back. Bring it right back. You know, I've, I've known before that I was backslidden in my heart when I, all of a sudden stuff starts coming out my mouth. And I, I hear it. You ever, you ever had something you didn't hear it until it got out there? Right out here, you heard it when it got right there. Come on. You know what I'm saying? It got right there. And did you ever hear something come out? And then you just got alone, bowed your head and say, Oh, Lord, I don't know what I've allowed to get in my heart so bad that would make my mouth talk like that. 
But I can tell you, Lord, I need to draw nigh to you. Forgive me. Forgive me. Put me right back where I need to be. Amen? Now, watch me. We're done. We're done. We're done. Look at me now. Look at me. We settled it today, didn't we? All of the doubting Thomases today, we doubt no more. We drove a stake in the ground today, did we not? What's the date? 228 21. The devil says, You're not saved. Take him right back and say, You're a liar, devil. You're a liar. We settled it. And we're settling the second thing today. And that's this God has given me a supernatural. I didn't earn it, I didn't build it up. It just came. It came when I got saved. I have a desire. To love what he loves is hard. I, I have a desire to know him, the mind, and I have a desire to please him, his will. That, that, but when I get where I don't have it, I know I'm what? Backslidden. Talk to me. And so what I do, Lord, let's fix this thing. Let's fix this thing. We're not going to keep on. We're not going to keep going. Let's get it fixed.